to the reading of a word, and I want to ask someone to turn the heat down, please, please. My mustache is on fire. And the little hair that I have left is being insinuated. So in verses 15 through 17, we read, See then that you walk circumspectingly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what is the will of the Lord, what the will of the Lord is. And then I'm going to read verse 18. And do not be drunk with wine, in which, it, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in us in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we bless you. We thank you for all that our hearts have felt. Thank you, O oh God, for the obedience of Mary. And we thank you, O oh God, that the star that the wise men search for is now the Savior of our soul. And Father, we join with all the angelic hosts in adoration for the king who was born in a manger. God, we thank you because now through him we have access to you. We bless you and we praise you. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We continue our series of messages entitled Total Disclosure. And two weeks ago, I started a sermon that we didn't finish entitled Time Out. Time Out. And there were two points left, and we will not finish both points today. But um, I'm going to share a number of scripture with you that... I know will be a blessing to your heart. Rodney Wayne White served our country in the United States Navy. After retiring with honors from the military, he moved to Fort Worth, Texas, and he lived in a very exclusive area in an apartment uh, in DeSoto, Texas. As a defense contractor, Rodney, 51 years of age, traveled around the world for his job. And although he was successful and busy, he main, maintained contact with his mother, who lived in New York, by phone at least twice a month. Mother's name is Doris Stevens, and she is the one who gave the account of how her son kept in touch with her. When she had not heard from her son for three months, Doris contacted the Fort Worth Police Department, and she requested that a missing person's uh, case be open to determine the whereabouts of her son. And the reply of the police was, since your son is an adult and he travels the world for his job, uh, him not calling for three months did not justify opening up a missing person's case. When a neighbor who lived beneath uh, Rodney's apartment uh, noticed a liquid substance leaking from his ceiling, contacted the apartment management, informed them that he did not know the origin of the liquid substance, 
by the time the management got around to checking why there was a leak coming from the ceiling, the leak had stopped. So they didn't follow through. Finally, after three years of no contact at all with Rodney, staff members detected that whoever was living in the apartment had not used water for three years and had not moved their car from in front of the building in its parking spot for three years. They finally decided to check on Rodney. And, and of course, when they opened the door, they were shocked to discover that he was dead. This Navy veteran who had fought on foreign soil for this country died in 2016, but no one was available or interested enough to just knock on the door to at least see why he had, why he had moved his car. Now, it's hard to imagine that somebody could actually be dead for three years. A veteran, a father, a son, someone created by the very handiwork of God. But I'm not shocked. The kind of work that I do, I see it all the time. People have everything, house on the top of the hill, all the, uh, the, the, the financial amenities that we say if you acquire these things, you would have experienced the American dream only to come to the end of your life and be absolutely alone. I want you to know when we become too busy to knock on a neighbor's door, to call a church member who is ill, or to even check on family members that have fallen off the radar, we need to take time out. Tell somebody, time out. If we are going to ever become all that God wants us to be in an era of technological automation, you're talking to machines all the time, the church must remain the very pulse of God. We must be the voice of God, the mouthpiece of God. We must be the very embrace of God. Because the God that we serve, the Bible says the word became flesh, and he moved in our neighborhood. And we beheld the glory of the only begotten of the Father. We need to take time out. We need to stop being simply ships that are passing each other in the night without ever really making genuine, meaningful contact. Not just enough to pat your wife on the back of the head or to text your kid to see if they're all right. We need to take time out. And we've already seen on last time when we were sharing from the Word that we need to take time out to worship. We talked about taking time out for wellness, wellness um, Wellness physically, emotionally, mentally, and financially. We talked about that. And we're going to talk about two, one, at least one additional thing today. Now, what we need to be mindful as we begin to take our, turn our attention to what we need to take time out for as, 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 as it relates to this next area of focus is that you and I want to be more like our Heavenly Father. We want to be more like God. What is nearest and dearest to the heart of God should be most important to us. Somebody say amen. amen. Listen to the kinds of things that are priorities in God's mind. 
Now, the, what's deep about the fact that these things are the focus in terms of priorities in the mind of God is that God is omniscient. And that simply means he knows everything. He doesn't ever have to recollect. You don't ever have to remind God of anything. But even though he knows everything that there is to know at all times, in some way, there's certain things that are more important to him than other things. That there are certain things that are always in the face of God that never escape his notice, while at the same time, nothing, no matter how trivial it is, escapes his mind. We want to be like him. As we consider the omniscience of our God, uh, notice, and in, 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 I'm going to re- just follow me, I'm going to share some scriptures. In, in uh, Psalm chapter 8, the word says, what is man that God is mindful of them? What is, human beings that he cares? What, else, what are we that, that would cause us to be in the thoughts of God all the time? Now, let's not get this just confused. And the young people say, don't get this twisted. There's nothing special about any of us. But he is mindful. He is, his thoughts are always on you. Now, we, we, listen, if you don't get excited as we go through this, and this is, you, let me, I'm going to take a pulse. We, we got, do we have any nurses in here or doctors? Are right, you get them stethoscopes and then check some heart rates? Now, let me just share some things that are on the mind of God. The Bible says in Psalm 147, verse 4, that God keeps a record of all the stars that are in the heaven. The scripture says he determines the number of the stars, and he calls each of them by name. They're over 900 billion. I just chose 900 billion. Really, there's an innumerable, innumerable host of stars beyond counting that God has flung into the heavens. And not only did he fling, before he flung them, he decided that they would be. He created them from nothing. And then he gave each star, all 900 billion and more, a name. And then whenever he chooses to recollect or to bring to mind the name, he can call each individual star by its name. God keeps a record of every hair on our head. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 30, the scripture says, and even the very hairs on your head are numbered by him. We spend a lot of money on our hair, a lot of attention on trying to hold on just a little while longer. Hold on. But God has counted every single hair on your head. I just want you to understand that he's paying attention, that you you are significant to him. I don't know anybody will say to you before you leave today that you're important, but you need to understand that God has counted. God keeps a record of every tear that you shed. You number my wanderings, those difficult times, my tears. You put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? God records every tear. It doesn't escape his notice. Psalm 56, verse 8. God keeps a record of every word that we speak. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every idle word, every text message, every Instagram, every Twitter. I don't know about our thoughts. I'm sure of that. I ain't going to get to it. But the Bible says, every idle word, God is keeping a record. He does a better job than those sitting in the opposite room listening to the president's calls to foreign Governing, governing leaders, and he doesn't leave anything out. Nothing's up there redacted. Every idle word spoken, God says, we will, I have kept the record of it. That's why it's so important that we become 
Like James said, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak for the wrath of man. What happens when we speak before we sing, before we hear, we're provoked to wrath. The wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. God is concerned about every soul. Aren't you glad about it? And 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Bible says, God is not slack concerning his promises towards men, as some count slackness. He is not willing that any man should perish, that any one should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. God is concerned about every single soul, and so should we be. Psalm 8, 5, it says, can a mother forget her baby at her breast? And have no compassion on her child, which she gave birth to. Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you. The, 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 actually, the, uh, the message Bible said, I have tattooed your name on the palms of my hand. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. The walls, where you live, you don't have to go to Google. God knows where you live. The walls, your walls are ever before me in Isaiah chapter 49, verses 15 through 16. Since God prioritizes relationships and he takes time to, main, to, to, to mind, be mindful of you, our example should be his to follow, should be ours to follow. His example should be ours to follow. Somebody say amen. amen. Now we shall see today that we need to take time out. Wonderment. I know you use that on a routine uh, basis in your vocabulary. Hey, are you having wonderment today? And, and I just had a little wonderment. And so since that's not a common word, but it works for the alliteration of the sermon, worshiping and wellness and wonderment and woke, all of that works. Let me explain what I mean by the word wonderment. It means to be amazed, astonished, Awed or surprised, to be amazed, astonished, surprised. When we are awed or surprised, it can cause us to be inspired to testify and to be transformed by our experience. So when something just blows your mind, the way we are impacted by that is that it causes us to go back and say, did you see Beyonce on that stage? Oh, my goodness. Did you see? That's about the extent of my, yeah, I'm about to run out of uh, Kanye. Yeah, it is his, his Sunday church. Did you hear? I, I mean, I can't believe the lyrics that he came up. I am so inspired. I'm so, I mean, I'm just blown away. That's how the tickets are sold. You don't even see advertisements. Once you get that thing, you, you've been impressed and, and, and blown away by it. it. It leads you and causes you to, to say something about it. And it transforms you. It makes you a follower of Kanye or Beyonce. And so the same thing is true when we talk about astonishment and being aware and shocked and surprised by something that God does. It ought to cause you to testify. It ought to cause your life to be transformed. And you know what? When we do, as we go through the things that God has done, not just in 2019, but just as you, as you just look back over your life, there ought to be experiences where you can say, I'm just awed by God. I'm amazed. My, my, my soul is caused to wonder. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and, and those things that cause your soul to wonder, that becomes your testimony. That's why you don't ever need to be nervous when you stand up and give your testimony. Because it's what God has done for you. Somebody say amen. amen. The Bible says regarding testimony of the, the, the awe-inspiring acts of God in history. And in 1 uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 10, verses 11 and 20, says, Now all these things 
happen to them as an example. The testimony of what has happened in the past, it says, and they were written for our warning, for our admonition. We had the benefit of what happened to God's children in the Old Testament as an example of what not to do when God steps in on our behalf and what we should do upon whom the ends of the ages have come. There was judgment when we don't respond properly. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take, take heed lest he falls. And so when, as we go through and talking about the, wonder, the time out for wonderment, for surprise and, and being awed and amazed by God, I want to share with you five reasons why it ought to be common in your life. In Acts chapter 3, verses 2 through 8, we read these words. Now a man who, had, who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going to the temple court. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him and he said, as did John, then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto you. Rise in the name of Jesus. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Now, this man had been lame from the day he was born. Before you, and, and so one of the reasons why we need time out for wonderment is because it's personal. The Bible says a certain man, a person was placed at the gate in front of the temple every day to beg. That was his way of earning a living just to eat. And God fixed the circumstance up in such a way that just like the scripture says, no one can come unto the Father except the Spirit of God draw him. There's nothing that just happens. And so this lame man happened according to God's divine providence, to be lying outside of the gate, and he was begging around 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the time of prayer. And he reached towards Peter and John to get a few dimes. Peter and John looked at the man, and, and the Bible says, and you, as I've already recorded, we don't have any cash, only carrying plastic. No, they didn't say carrying plastic. But such as we have, we give unto you in the name of Jesus. Notice how many times as you go through this portion of Scripture, the personal pronoun, they saw him, and he said, and he responded, and they reached and got his right hand. The reason why I need to take time to be amazed is because what God has done is personal. Because, see, you and I, we were this lame man. Lying in our circumstance, no, your legs and your arms work, but the Bible says we were born dead in our trespasses and sin. And, and what can a dead man do? A dead man, like the lame man, is, is paralyzed. And what paralyzed us is the, is, the, is, the, is the condition the Bible calls sin. For all have sinned and we fall, what? Short of the glory of God. But God reached down and, 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 and touched our situation in our paralysis caused by the sin of Adam that we inherited. And when we responded, the Bible says, for by grace you are saved through faith. That when we respond to the grace of God by faith, that which was dead was made alive. And I don't know about you. But this dude, he was at least alive, but we were dead. 
And when you reflect on the, the fact of what God did, but he didn't have to do, it ought to make you amazed. It ought to make you say, raise your hand sometimes. It ought to make you be stand back and say, God, I don't know why you did it, but I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Some of us don't realize what it costs God to meet us at our gate, to give us what we really needed. Paul said, when I, love, when I recognized who Jesus was, I realized that everything I thought I needed was really what was keeping me from what I needed the most. And so when I look back before I knew Jesus, I counted everything. He said, I counted as dung. It's personal. You ought to have a personal testimony of a time when God caused you to be shocked and surprised. And it ought to have started the day he said, saved by the blood of Jesus. It's also a timeout because it's public. Your testimony based on the fact that you are amazed by God, ought to have a public impact. Listen to what the scripture says in verse, uh, verse 8b. It says, then, <clears throat> then he went with them into the temple courts, and he was walking and he was shouting. You, sometimes we ought to, you ought to have an experience during the week that God has so blessed you and, and amazed you and, and, and overwhelmed you with his grace. You ought to come to church shouting. Come to church jumping. Come to church waving your hand. I love you, Don Trey, but we don't make no music. There was no, we don't hear nothing about no music. He was lame. <laughs> but now, not only can he walk, the Bible says, and when he went with them, walking and jumping and praising God, praising God. Listen, here's, here's the public side of it. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized that that was that joker laying at the gate. That was that man that was strung out on drugs. That was a woman who, 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 whose marriage was falling apart. You ought to have a testimony that starts in your private life. God did a miracle in my home. God did a miracle in my personal life. And because of what he did, I can't keep it to myself. They recognized him as the same man who used to be begging at the temple gate called beautiful. There ought to be a used to in your life. <laughs> the Bible says, such was some of you. <laughs> yeah, I used to do that. I used to talk that way. I used to go there. <clears throat> I used to think like that. I used to behave that way. Such were some, they recognized that that had been the man. But now, is there a now in your life? If there's a now in your life, you ought to give him some praise because what was once true is no longer true. He has stepped in and healed the brokenness caused by sin. Everybody that knew you before you got saved ought to be able to say, that was, I knew her. I knew Twinkie. He's had this girl in our church. He's called a booty. We were giving her an award. By the way, Kenita's being honored tonight at Christmas. Don't go. And some of you are aware of that, so join me for that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anyway, thinking about awards. And uh, we called her name, and all of her family, yeah, booty, booty. That's who she had been. I don't know what other folks would have called you based on your had been, your life before Jesus. Somebody ought to know. Notice it said he was praising God. So it wasn't just jumping and shouting. He was giving credit to God. When people look at what God has done in your life, do you have a testimony and say, oh, wait a minute, sister. Don't get this thing confused. 
It's personal. Having a time out for wonderment and amazement and reflection on 2019. Oh, how soon we forget. I wonder what I'm going to eat tomorrow. You got a loaf of bread under your arm, chicken gizzards in your mouth. You're talking about what you're going to eat tomorrow, your refrigerator. You got to put your foot on the door to close it. I don't know why I'm going to eat tomorrow. You go to the refrigerator, so much stuff in there. You say, I don't know what to eat. There ain't nothing to eat here. So it's personal, but it also, the reason why God, the, and, and remember John, he says that the works of God might be manifested. So the, the, the awe experience that you have with God, he wants his works to be manifested in you. So when he scores that winning touchdown, I know he saw some winning touchdowns in your life. Maybe he has it. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't give you credit for something you haven't experienced. It's all so powerful. Here's what the Bible says in verse 10. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. These weren't, they weren't even saved. They're looking at your marriage and your children, and, and they knew Pookie. They knew how you, how you were raised. But look at your children. They're looking, in, and the Bible says they were amazed at what happened. What God does privately for you to give a public testimony is powerful because it will impact others. The Bible says God has chosen the foolish things of this world, the weak things, the ignoble things, the things that are not, so no man can boast, but that we will give God the glory. The Bible says that they were all amazed. People ought to be amazed at Jesus in you. You have the very light of Christ living in you. That means wherever you step, the light dispels the darkness. I don't care how evil. I don't care how confused. I don't care how present the enemy may be. The moment a Christian steps in the room, the light of Christ enters into that situation. And the light cannot comprehend us. Are you walking in that kind of authority? Are you walking in that kind of awareness? Are people marveling at you because of where you live, because of what you wear, because of what you drive in? Or are they amazed at what the Lord has done in your life? When is the last time you took time. Let me just tell, what are you thankful for? This Christmas, when you go around the table and they ask you, what are you thankful for? Don't you dare be struggling with what you got to be thankful for. There was a time in your life, this start with salvation. If he does nothing else, if he never blessed me with any other thing, just be aware of the fact that he's blessed me beyond, beyond. Beyond anything that I deserve or earn. I want you to know until you learn about miracles. Well, I didn't get healed and I'm still trying to hit the lottery and, and I just don't understand. And my neighbor down the street, your heart is still beating in your chest. Your brain waves are operating in a way that you even know your name. You know how to find your way to this church. You ought to thank God. That's a miracle. You're not making your heart pump blood. You're not making those babe brain work. You ought to give him praise because God has done great things. Your friends ought to be saying, man. I didn't know that being a Christian could be this good. I used to think until I met you that all Christians cared about is what you did or didn't do. But when I think about the obvious goodness of the Lord, they ain't even say the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. How do they know because of what he has done in you?
God will make you look beautiful. The Bible says that the outward man is a perishing, but the inward man, God does something, and he talks about this in 1 Timothy Peter chapter 3, that lets your adornment be from the inward person. God will give you a beauty. There's something about a Christian woman in submission to the word of God, something about an obedient man. He hears some. I don't care if he don't have a tooth in his mouth. Don't matter if he had, you know, every continent in the world on his head. Forgot to brush it and called it whatever the new look. It's just nappy. You need to comb it. Amen. Praise the Lord. No, some people look good with it. You know, some people. <laughs> yeah, I would be wearing it if I had it. Yeah, I would. But it's powerful. There's nothing more powerful than a transformed life by the gospel of Christ. That's the greatest tool that we have to reach the world for Jesus is what has he done for you? I was never a wallflower. When I went to the parties, first of all, they were going to notice me because I was going to have on tangerine. I was going to have on lime or yellow. I'm going to have my super elevated heels buttoned down to the lower part of the chest. And I'm in the middle of the floor bouncing. I'm bouncing. Oh, yeah. I got it. Everybody going to know I got it. You're going to know me before I leave here. Then we get saved. We act like somebody shot us up with rigor mortis. Uh, you know, shot us up with uh, embalming fluid. I don't know about you, but sometimes your testimony is expressed through your praise. And as people see you, give God the glory for allowing you who were once lost. But now, I don't know about you. I can't explain it. But I once was blind. I, I, don't, I was once blind. But now. Do you have a but now? But now. But now. I don't know about you, but now. I see. It's powerful. It's also purposeful. Say purposeful. Here's what the Lord says. This is how we have systematically allowed the devil to steal our children. We have not been purposeful with our amazement of God's work in our life. Listen to what the scripture says. In, in, uh, it says, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, watch what happens. The powerful, the private, the purpose, the, uh, the, powerful, the, uh, 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 the powerful, the personal, the public now becomes purposeful. Peter said, wait a minute. Now you can witness. He said, let me, oh, no, you think we did this? You think we made this man walk? You think the reason I got what I have is because I'm so smart and you're not? Watch this. Watch this. Fellow Israelites, why why does this surprise you? Why are we surprised by the miraculous works of God, Christians? Why are we anticipating that every day God might do something? I don't know what he's going to do, but he's going to do something. That's the kind of God we serve. Fellow Israelites, why are you surprised? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? That's what happens to once God starts blessing, we get like Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, great Nebuchadnezzar. Look at this Bab- look at Babylon that I've made. Look at all that I've got doing, earning it the old-fashioned way. He said, no, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified who? His servant, Jesus, by faith in his name, in the name of Jesus. This man whom you see and know was made strong in Jesus. Now you got a chance. When you explain uh, 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 why your life is so different, let me tell you about this man named Jesus. Named Jesus. 
and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him. As you all can see, he has completely healed me. He has delivered me. He has given me life when I should have had death. Now, watch this. Look at verse 30. The verse 30, verse 16 says, But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. People will get saved just by your testimony of the greatness of God in your life. I declare one of the reasons why the church isn't growing. We're not giving a testimony of how God has changed us, how God has broke a miracle in our life. Peter, he said, uh-uh, uh-uh, let me, let me just explain something. I got some titles behind my name. I, I, I drive in a more comfortable car, but it's him. The glory belongs to Jesus. And let me tell you, when you use that name, you see, this is not no, no partiality. Uh, what he did for me, he will do for you. The only requirement, one, is that you know him and that when you invoke healing, you use that name that is above every name. It's purposeful. It's purposeful. I'm going to close out with this. It's also... When we talk about wonderment and amazement and surprise and shock and your mind being blown, because, see, everybody that was in that crowd that day, even though he said about 5,000 now were at, so this is 2,000 people got saved on this day. 3,000 got saved in Acts 2. Now we have 2,000 souls being saved on, in one, on one day based on a miracle of healing, based on a testimony of this is what Jesus does when you use his name based on a relationship. But this is also, it's not just purposeful, purposeful, powerful, public and private. It's prophetic. Somebody say prophetic. It impacts, it, it, in the impact, in its impact, it can, it can have, it, its impact can in, it affect future generations. Your testimony of what God has done and caused you to be amazed and give him praise and adoration is prophetic in the, in, the, in, in, the, in the fact that it can impact future generations. Stay with me. When you get a chance in Exodus chapter 11, verses 24 through 28, it, it gives you the, the, your testimony of God's miraculous works in your life that cause you to give him all, give opportunity to explain to your children why we observe certain ceremonies. Why do we do communion? Why do, why do we get baptized? A lot of kids, they get baptized. They have no idea why they got baptized. I'm, 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 I'm convinced that people don't come to communion the way we used to because we don't know why we do it. Listen, here's what God was ready to do. He was finally preparing to lead the nation of Israel out of 400 years of bondage. Pharaoh had repeatedly said, no, I ain't letting them go. And God had allowed signs and wonders and up to nine. And then God said through Moses, you will let my people go. This 10th plague, the death of the firstborn. And God said to the nation of Israel through the prophet, put the blood of an unblemished lamb on your doorpost. And where I see the blood, the death angel is gonna, is gonna pass, pass by your house. It's gonna pass over your house. Aren't you glad for the blood? Aren't you glad for the blood? Now the blood can, can protect you, but you have to apply it, amen? So, so he says, but after you have been delivered, listen to, listen to the scriptures. Are you still with me? And he said, obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance. We have two ordinances in the church, baptism and holy communion. For you and your descendants, generations. He says, when you enter into the land that I am giving, I will give to you, as I promise, observe these ceremonies. Say ceremony. ceremony. And when your children ask you, 
what does this ceremony mean? Then tell them it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshiped. Then the Israelites did just as the Lord commanded. And so what he's saying is the way that our children will embrace our faith and the ceremonies that we practice is that we will tell them about an awe-inspiring thing that God did. The death angel has passed. The Bible says there is therefore no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We are justified. See, the death angel has passed. And so the reason why I observe the Lord's table is because the blood of Christ has set me apart from the consequence of sin. And whenever we partake, we are showing our remembrance of what Christ accomplished when he died on the cross. So your experiences give you an opportunity to teach your children. Why, why do we do this? Well, we wear white gloves and we wear, there used to be a time where everybody drank out of the same cup. We ain't doing that no more. You ain't going to find in the Bible HIV and SEDs. And, you ain't going to find that in the Bible. But we will find that this is a, your body's the temple of God. But we will still have Holy Communion. There's a reason for it. Stay with me. It gives you opportunity to teach God's commandments to your children. When you testify, how did we get to this neighborhood? Why did we go to this school? And my friends didn't go to this school. And why we got these things and these experiences? Here he says, you'll get a chance. So when your children ask you in times to come saying, what is the meaning of this testimony? The statutes and judgments which the Lord our God has commanded you. Then you will say to your sons, we were slaves in Pharaoh, a Pharaoh in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe, great in Egypt and Pharaoh in our house. So he said, when they asked, why do you read your Bible? Why do you live by the scriptures? Why do you acknowledge him in all your ways? And why do you trust in the Lord? Because the Lord has brought me out of Egypt. I was facing a Red Sea and the Lord parted the sea. And here I am. Am on the other side. There was a time I was in, a, in bondage in Egypt, but now, but now, that's why I believe this word. That's why I obey this word. You ought to take time out for wonderment and tell your kids. Here's another thing. It gives opportunity to, to, to act courageously in the face of your giants. What happens when you realize what God has already done? Ain't no giant too big. It's not how big the giant is. It's how hard will they fall. Listen to David. But David said to King Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I, I didn't run from the lion and the bear. I went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep from his mouth. When it, and when it turned to me, I seized it, its hair, struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like that lion and bear. I got courage because I know what my God has already done. And if he did it before, he will do it again. Somebody ought to have some courage. Somebody ought to have some boldness. Somebody ought to have some determination. If he did it before, he will. He will. He will. He will. Has he killed some giants for you? Have there been Goliaths in your life? He will. Let me finish with this. Your wonderment experiences give you an opportunity for God, for a godly seed to continue. The reason millennials are leaving the church is because we haven't told them about the goodness of the Lord. We haven't taken time to explain that this is just not brown nosing. This is not just knowing the right people. This is not just having the right degrees. Listen to what it says, and we'll finish with this. 
This is in uh, the book of Joshua, the book of Judges. After the whole generation had been gathered, had died, and gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up. Who what? Who, who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served Baal. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods, and they invoked the wrath of God. Stand with me. The way you pass on a godly seed for generations where the youth and the millennials are coming to church is you keep telling them. Deuteronomy 4 says, when you walk in the way, tell them about Jesus. When you're sitting at the table, tell them about Jesus. When you're washing and folding clothes, tell them about Jesus. When they walk in the door, something in your house ought to say Jesus lives here. You ought to have it on the front of your, it ought to be visible. Is there a Bible in your house? I'm all for technology, but sometimes you just need to have something to be seen. Is there some gospel music? I'm all for rap when it's all right, but I want to hear about the goodness of God and what he's done. When you tell Tell your children about what God has done and what he continues to do. That's my, what is he doing for you now? What is, your, what is your right now testimony? I should be able to go around right now. What did he do? What did he do? What did he do? We all should have a shout to, to give today. It's personal. It's public. It's powerful. It's purposeful. But it's also prophetic. We're looking for legacy now. Who are you pouring your life into? Who knows about Jesus because of you? What has God done for you that would cause people that don't even know Jesus to say, oh, my, what they doing at that church? That Bible must work because the difference that it has made in your life. When we get to watch night service, everybody ought to have a testimony. This whole place ought to be shouting and jumping because we were lame. Oh, I don't know. I, I was paralyzed by sin. But look what Jesus has done. Let's pray. Father, in the mighty